Well, in the last reflection, we looked at the Lord Jesus and his absolute surrender to the counsel of God as found in the scriptures and in the leading of the Father and the Spirit. In this final example from the New Testament, I, I want to look at the Apostle Paul and see how his teaching, what he teaches about the counsel of God and, and how this worked itself out in his, in his lifestyle and ministry. And the question we want to ask ourselves here is this. What was the Apostle Paul's position on the counsel of God as found in the Scriptures? And second, did he walk in the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit, or did he push forward with a human agenda for the sake of the kingdom? Now, to understand Paul's view of Scripture... Let's begin with the words of Paul to Timothy, his spiritual son in the Lord, as recorded for us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. And this is what we read. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, these words of Paul to Timothy have a lot to tell us about Paul's view of Scripture. Consider first the phrase, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Paul challenges Timothy to continue in the sacred writings, and he encourages him to walk in faithfulness to them. The sacred writings which are able, says Paul, to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. These scriptures, according to Paul, imparted wisdom for salvation through Jesus Christ. They pointed us, they point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say that all scripture is breathed out by God. These scriptures are inspired by God and originate in his heart and in his mind. These scriptures also, according to Paul, are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. They're profitable for teaching in the truth. These scriptures reprove and correct and train a person in the will and in the purpose of God. That the man of God, says Paul, may be complete, equipped for every good work. By following these scriptures, we can be perfected into the person that God wants us to be, and these scriptures will equip us for every good work that God has called us to do. Now, this is probably one of Paul's most powerful statements on the scriptures, and we don't have time to go into great detail on it, but there can be no doubt here about how he feels about the inspired word of God. 
he is convinced, the apostle, that scripture is inspired by God and the means by which we can be matured in our walk with God and empowered in our Christian service. Do you want to know how to grow in your walk with God? Paul tells us to search the scriptures. Do you want to know how to experience greater blessing in your ministry? Paul tells us to look to the word of God for advice. Do you want to know how to be a father, a husband, a wife, or an employee? You need to be, again, you need to, again, go back to the scriptures to find what they have to say. So Paul believes firmly that the scriptures are God's authoritative word for us in life, in doctrine, and in ministry. And he points us very clearly to this. And so Paul is very clear in this passage to Timothy that he stood firmly on the truth of Scripture, that he thought and he taught it as the inspired Word of God, and he was convinced that these Scriptures were God's means for spiritual growth and maturity in Christian life and service. Now, of all the apostles, Paul was likely the most well-trained in the Scriptures, And it was, in fact, his interpretation of the scriptures that drove him to persecute the church. He believed that Christians were blaspheming the name of God by treating Jesus, the Son of God, as the Son of God. And it was his understanding, this understanding, that drove him to go from city to city, rooting out Christians and bringing them to trial for blasphemy. Paul would ultimately, of course, bring this great mind and and reasoning into his Christian faith. And the Apostle Peter, for example, admires Paul's intellectual ability, calling his writings true, but hard to understand at times in 2 Peter 3 and verse 16. And some of the deepest and most profound doctrines of Scripture are found in the writings of the Apostle Paul, and he is looked to as an authority on these deep truths of faith. Now, having said this, how does the apostle live out his life? Listen to what he tells the Romans in Romans chapter 12 and verse 16. Never be wise in your own eyes, says the apostle in Romans 12 and verse 16. In other words, those who think themselves to be wise are probably deceiving themselves. Now, Writing to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 to 20, the apostle would go on to say, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. This world's wisdom, according to Paul, is pure foolishness to God. The lofty thoughts of the worldly wise are futile and of no value, according to the Apostle. The Apostle Paul came to understand that his intellect and rational skills would not advance the kingdom of God. It was not his intelligence that would win the day and expand the kingdom. 
Now, a number of years ago, I was speaking to a Sunday school teacher, and she shared with me how she would spend hours preparing for her Sunday school lesson to teach those children. And I, and I remember listening to her and admiring the fact that she was so diligent in this matter. But I found myself saying to her, I'm, I said, I, I'm glad you spent so much time preparing But I trust that when it comes time to teach, you are not putting your trust in your preparation instead of the Spirit of God to change the lives of those children. You see, Paul did not trust his great education and rational powers. They were useful. They were important. They were used by God. But they were not the means by which the kingdom of God would be expanded. Listen to what he tells the Corinthians in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God." The great apostle Paul tells the Corinthians that he came to them not with plausible words of wisdom because he did not want their faith to be based in the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. Now, Paul's conversion was a life changer for him. He was on the way to Damascus to stamp out Christianity, and his intellect told him that this is what needed to happen. He was convinced of this theological position and belief that Christianity was blasphemous for declaring Jesus to be the Son of God. He could not wrap his his intellectual mind around that fact. And it was on the road to Damascus, however, that he would meet this risen Jesus Christ. And he came to see for the very first time how faulty his reasoning was. And as well educated as he was, he was wrong. And the revelation of Jesus Christ that day on the road to Damascus changed everything. He didn't come to Christ on the basis of careful reasoning, but by means of a special revelation of Jesus Christ. And in an instant, everything that Paul had come to believe intellectually to that point was changed. Now, not only did the minister, did Paul come to faith by means of a revelation of Jesus Christ, but he also was called into ministry by means of a revelation of the Spirit. This is what takes place in Acts chapter 13, verses 2 to 3. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. God had a purpose for Paul and spoke to the church of Antioch about that purpose. And the church sent him out as a result of a special revelation given in a prayer meeting and not as a result of a carefully planned agenda created in a committee meeting by brilliant minds. 
The Spirit of God spoke, and the church listened. Now notice what happens as Paul travels on his missionary journey, as he goes out in response to that call of God given to him by the Spirit at that prayer meeting in Antioch. Notice what happens as he travels from region to region. In Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10, we read this. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came up to Messiah, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him to come, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, as brilliant as Paul was, he understood that God wanted to direct his steps. He was dependent on the Lord to lead him each step of the way. He was sensitive to the direction of the Spirit and where the Spirit wanted him to go. And this gifted man with this deep theological insight is led by a vision to go to Macedonia. He did not allow his intellect to distract him from the leading of the spirit. He is a gifted man in the word, and he is led by the spirit. Now, while Paul was in Corinth in Acts chapter 18 and verses 9 to 11, we we see that he begins to experience a certain amount of opposition and and became afraid and uncertain about about continuing in the city because of that opposition. And once again, the answer to what Paul needed to do and the direction he was to take comes in the form of a vision. Acts chapter 18, verses 9 to 11, we read this. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. In this vision from God, God speaks to Paul about his fear. God comforts Paul and tells him that he would protect him. And God promises that there would be a harvest of souls. And as a result of that vision, Paul remains in the city of Corinth for a year and a half. And the church of Corinth would be planted as a result. It was a vision that kept Paul there in the city of Corinth. Where the, where the church would ultimately be planted. Paul, as intellectual and as rational and as reasonable and as intelligent as he was, was a man who was also willing to be led by visions from God. Now, as we come to Acts chapter 20, verses 22 and 23, Paul is in Ephesus and he gathers the the leaders or he gathers the Ephesian leaders together and he shares with them his passion to go to Jerusalem. 
Now notice how he expresses this passion to go to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 and 23. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Paul knew that going to Jerusalem would be dangerous. He knew that because the Spirit of God had spoken to his heart about that. He also knew that he would be imprisoned and afflicted there. And notice why he determined to go to Jerusalem despite this affliction and opposition and imprisonment that awaited him. I am going to Jerusalem, says Paul, constrained by the Spirit. What drove him to this point? It was the constraint of the Spirit. Despite the efforts of the elders to discourage him, Paul would not be persuaded. He would go to Jerusalem, even if it meant prison or affliction, because the Spirit of God was convicting him to go, and he would follow the leading of the Spirit, even if that meant his death. The Apostle Paul had a great mind, and he used it for the kingdom of God. But despite this great mind, he refused to let his intellect and reasoning stand in the way of God's leading and direction in his life. Paul stood firmly on the written counsel of God. He based his life and ministry on that truth contained and revealed there. But Paul was also a man who was led by the Spirit in wonderful ways. His salvation was a result of a powerful revelation of Christ that shattered his intellectual understanding of truth. He he was called into ministry as a result of a revelation of God in a prayer meeting. He was directed in where he was to go through the prompting of God and through the leading of the Spirit and through visions from God. For Paul, teaching uh, that that the objective truth of Scripture was, was very important, but also it was important for Paul that he walk in the prompting and leading of the Spirit of God and that teaching the objective truth and listening to the prompting of the Spirit walked hand in hand in the life of Paul. He taught that the written counsel of God was useful for equipping the believer in every good work, but demonstrated that he also listened to the visions that God gave to him. Paul demonstrates an excellence in the knowledge of Scripture, but also submissive heart to the leading of God's Spirit. And he demonstrates in real life What Jesus taught in John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24, when he says this, But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so the leading of the spirit and the truth of the written counsel of God walk hand in hand 
in the life of the Apostle Paul and ought to walk hand in hand in the life of every true worshiper of God.